people buy into people. I could sell you anything I wanted to because people have confidence in me. It's not what I'm selling. It's me. You're the product. You need to invest in you and being the best version of yourself because that's what you're going to go out in the world. And when you're, you're presenting whatever you're presenting or whatever business you're in, that's what they see. They see you. The following podcast is an American Influencer Council production. Welcome to Creators with Influence, a podcast on the intersection between the creator economy and digital culture, where entrepreneurs come to share empowered stories. Kiana Smith-Brunito is a creator advocate, champion of lifelong learning, and movement maker. Karsten Tannis, known as Skinny Was Here, is a solopreneur, internationally recognized multimedia creator, and a promoter of creative inclusivity. Together, Together they, they are, are your, your hosts. hosts. Karsten, how are you? What's good, Kiana? It's good to see you again. I feel like it's been so long. It's the one-year anniversary of Creators with Influence, and we have an iconic guest, supermodel and entrepreneur, Beverly Johnson. You might know her as the first Black model to grace the cover of American Vogue and French Elle but her career is so much more than that. She has, you know, broken barriers, known as the face that changed it all. Beverly Johnson is going to share lots of words of wisdom on what it means to have um, an abundant mindset, to pay it forward for others and to know that when a door closes that you still have other options to find a way to pursue your dreams that a no is definitely not the end and so karsten and i are so excited to present this episode so good to see you beverly i would love to have you you know for our listeners who aren't familiar with your career, which I can't imagine that they're not, um, just briefly, you know, give a high level overview of who you are, why you're fabulous. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 read decades for uh, a little, uh, okay, I'll try. I'm supermodel Beverly Johnson. I was the first African-American woman to grace the cover of American Vogue in 1974. I went on to be the first black woman to grace the cover of Elle magazine in 1975. I'm an author of three books, one a New York Times bestseller. I've produced television shows, Beverly's Full House. I had uh, the number one uh, hair and extensions and wig company in the nation. I've done so many things. We don't have enough time or we just have this hour of all of the things that I've done. I'm a mother and a grandmother of four. And I have two bonus grandsons also. So that's six kids in the house. You should be interviewing my daughter. She's the superwoman. <laughs> but, I love it. you know, uh, I'm, uh, I live out in the desert uh, with my honey and my two um, golden doodles. Uh, so I live with three men. And... <laughs> And it's not always easy, 
but uh, and I'm having a great time and a great life. You know, you've been a tremendous mentor to me and so many others. And I feel that, you know, a lot of career creators have so much to learn from you. And um, I'm really excited to just dive right in. And Carson, you want to just mm -hmm. kick it off? I do. And Beverly, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're kicking off the second season of Creators with Influence, and Kiana's been dying to have you as a guest. So so I'll start with uh, the first question, and it is a quick statement and a question as well. So throughout your career, you've been a change agent. You were opening the door for many others by breaking barriers in the editorial fashion realm. And um, when you started your career, would you say turning adversities into opportunities became a pathway to success? Yes. I mean, obviously, that, that is what one has to do. Uh, but I think it was um, my mindset, how I grew up. Um, uh, that made me think about the modeling world in a different way because I never wanted to be a model. I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody in my family went to college but me or graduated except for me and my, my other siblings. So I think that my approach to the fashion industry, I believe, was different than a, a lot of the other models that come into the industry growing up wanting to be models or just you know, someone saying you and you get into the industry. So it was for me like I was going to law school. I was finding out everything I could about that business. So uh, I dissected the industry more so than, you know, of course I got over a lot of adversity, but for me, it was just a puzzle. Can you tell us about some of those, um, some of those adversities that you faced, but also, uh, I feel like most creators, you start off on the creative side, you end up learning the business. And as you said, you became, you started to dissect the industry. Can you tell us some of the things that you've learned along the way and some of those uh, nuggets of information that you wish to pass on? Yeah, well, yes, actually, that's very interesting. So yes, so I, I had this whole creative part of my being that I never even knew I had. I was an athlete in, you know, in, in academics. That's all I did. You know, and so I didn't even know I had this creative side of my, so it was very interesting for me. So it wasn't only about fashion. I opened up to the opera, the dance, to, to, to uh, museums. And, you know, it was just this whole world. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm in, I'm in uh, at Eileen Ford Modeling Agency. Uh, first of all, I got this huge break with um, getting to Eileen Ford. Is this like total fluke? Right, you know, you, you go. My mother makes me go to a boutique, work in a boutique, uh, uh, the the year before I went to college because I had no clothes. I only had sweatsuits and everything because that's what you know. I was the jock, and <laughs> I was like, "What? I can't be a lifeguard at Beaver Island? Are you kidding me?" And I worked in this boutique and Jenny shop on Main Street, in Buffalo, New York. And there was a woman named Mimi, and she kept saying, "You should be a model. You should be a model." I was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> I'm going to be a lawyer. Thank you very much. <laughs> so she says before at least she gives me the, the, the little piece of paper. She said, call this woman if you ever change your mind. Long story short, I go off to college. My first year, you know, I'm crying. I'm homesick and everything. I'm a small town girl. Uh, the, the A girl, the, you know, the A crowd takes me underneath their wings. 
and I really started to be comfortable. And I'm working at the Roxbury YWCA, teaching swimming, taking home $28 a week so we can go to Harvard and all of the schools <laughs> around. I mean, I was just living large. And then that job was cut. And I was like, I was freaked out because I've had a job since I'm 14 years old. Anyways, to make a long story short, they said, why don't you become a model? I said, a model? What is, and then I thought about, what is this thing with the modeling? They literally take a magazine, they open it up. There's a girl standing there with her hands on her hip. She said, this is a model and they make $75 a week. I mean, $75 a day. My father made $75 a week. So I called the woman in New York. She introduced me to Condé Nast. I had my first you know, modeling job with a 10 page spread for Glamour Magazine. And the next thing that you had to do, and I'm gonna make this short, the next thing you had to do was you had to get in a modeling agency. I said, well, who's the best modeling agency? They said, Eileen Ford, Ford Modeling. I'll go up to Ford Modeling Agency, lots of girls around. She go, you, you, she points to me, you're fat. You do this one, this one, that one. Okay. I go to all of the agencies. I'm turned down by everyone. They don't realize I just did a 10 page spread for Glamour Magazine. And, and so finally, I guess the word, this is before, you know, text messages and all the things that, you know, we have today that Eileen Ford wanted to see me. I was staying with my girlfriend from New York, the one who got me into all this modeling thing. And uh, it was for the summer. And she says, come back down to the office. I come back down to the office. She says, hey, you lost so much weight. Long story short, now I'm working for Vogue and I'm really working. I go in to meet with Eileen Ford. I said, this is what I would like. I would like to have um, a, a cosmetic contract. I would like to write a beauty book and I want to get the cover of Vogue because I found out in order to be a top model, you had to have that cover, not French Vogue or British Vogue, but American Vogue. And Eileen Ford looked at me and said, who do you think you are, Cleopatra? You will never be on the cover of Vogue. Wow. And I was like, okay, I'm thinking and I'm thinking. And I go, okay, thank you very much. And I didn't even question it. But what I knew was I wasn't going to get the cover of the magazine there. I wasn't going to get it at that agency with Eileen Ford. So I went to Wilhelmina, which was her competitor. But before I went to Wilhelmina, I wrote her a beautiful note. I can't thank you enough. You've been like parents to me, her and her husband. And you've done so much for me. And I, I just want to know if I ever changed my mind that I would be welcomed back. She never answered back. So I went to Wilhelmina. Sure enough, I got the cover. She championed me. I got the cover. I stayed there for about six months. And then I went back to Eileen Ford, who welcomed me in, welcome home. And that's how I made all the financial gains. Wow, Beverly. And I think, you know, this is such a tremendous story of perseverance because, you know, people, the first door is not going to open in the way that you might want it. And so you have to sort of pivot. And this is something we talk a lot about on Creators with Influence is that opportunities might knock. Never, one, never burn a bridge <laughs> because our industry is incredibly small. And, you know, always have the tenacity to know, to want, never let the dream die. You know, you knew your worth and you knew you deserved the cover of Vogue, 
even when others didn't know you deserved it. You know, you need those champions around you to also say and believe and push the dream. And I think that's such a, that story is so encouraging. And, you know, when other people are discouraged to say, hey, keep working at it. And I love that you came back to Eileen. I got the Vogue cover. Now let's, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's get to work. <laughs> let's get to work. Exactly. But for me, it's, you know, I, I believe in passion and I believe in dreams, but, I, but I, I think I believe in possibilities more because I could have just dug in and said, no, I'm going to be a lawyer and dug in there, right? But I saw a possibility, you know, a possibility to help my family. You know, there's a lot of kids going to college and my parents, the, the cost of living was going up and my father was still in that steel mill you know, making $75 a week. I believe in possibilities and take advantage of possibilities because you never know where that possibility will take you. It could be to your destiny and your dream and passion becomes, you know, an afterthought. And I just want to segue into something, you know, you've done, you've had over 500 magazine covers. Everyone knows you. you for you know, um, breaking the barriers at American Vogue and with at um, with French L. But I I I've spent a lot of time with you. You have some of the best stories. I would love to get into some of the fashion moments that people don't necessarily talk about, but because there's so many good ones. <laughs> What are what are what are some of the I mean London, Milan, Paris, Couture, oh like everything, you know, all, so many of the best designers, besties with Halston. I mean, uh we could just I could keep going, but it's I gotta let you do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and an incredible incredible life. and and, and I'm I, I've had twenty covers in the last two years that I've just done. So, 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 but I've been so blessed and fortunate and I'm so grateful and humbled by the life that I, I've lived and continue to live. Yes, I've worked with the greatest all-time photographers, Dick Avedon, you, you know, Francesco, you, you name them, and the greatest um, couture designers, Valentino. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it, it, it was my education to life. It was my education to fashion and luxury and luxury products and, and, and luxurious living, going to Lake Como, to Valentino's home and how people lived and how, you know, the, the serving, the, the, everything was just exquisite. So it was just such, and I'm a sponge, I'm an introvert. And I'm an observer. Um, I, I, I don't do very much talking to you. you. Get to know me, then you can't stop me. But I, <laughs> I observe a lot. I sit and I'm quiet. And, um, and I just, the one funny thing is that I always wanted to do fashion shows, right? And of course, I name for you can't do fashion shows. You're a cover girl model. No, that's not for you. That's for them over there. I said, no, I, I want to do it because, uh, you know, I want to, um, 
I want to meet the designers of who all these clothes that I'm wearing in the magazines. I would like to meet them. And she said, no, you can't. I said, I'm doing it. So anyways. <laughs> Don't tell uh, Beverly can't. <laughs> no, I want to do it, you know? And she says, oh. So I get this thing in Halston and Halston was the first person that I, who said, no, he was like grumbling. I don't believe you. She's a cover girl. She's a, and, and, and Joe, Joe Ula, who was his right-hand person, who was the one that championed me in. And that was my start in the fashion world. But I couldn't really, I was, I was presenting myself at Beverly Johnson, the cover girl. They were like, ah, you know, that kind of thing. Because we never crossed. So I like to say that I was one of the first ones to cross over into fashion shows and fit modeling because that's basically what you did because they made the clothes on you, draped them on you for their couture line, right? And then, the, and then those girls went over to be photographed in Vogue and all of that. It was really, really incredible. But when they sent me to Paris for fashion week, and I thought I was like, you know, I'm a hard worker. You know, I really am. You know, I work. I worked for the first 10 years without a Christmas, a holiday, a Thanksgiving, a birthday, nothing. I was just gone working the world. But those shows, you had to get here to that other show, I mean, in like minutes and you come in and the show had already started and they just start ripping the clothes off of you awesome. and just throwing you out there, out there, you're halfway naked and you'd be like, oh, oh, oh. You know. <laughs> I mean, I literally could not finish the day. I could not finish the day. I'm talking about like 12, 13 shows in a day. It was like, and I had, I was looking at those runway models. I was like, had so much respect for them, a whole newfound respect for them. This is particularly in the way they moved or whatever, but what they had to endure. Oh yes, it's, it's a marathon. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. <laughs> it was a marathon. So I, that was a, very good lesson and then but then I met all the other designers and things and they were uh you know everybody's drinking champagne and whatever and just you know just you know cigarettes and everybody's talking and it's just like a you know not you know the studio and you're the only one there or you and three other models and lunch is prepared is it no this is this is not that okay so that was, but I met the designers and I, I, and I went to the dinners and to their homes and I really met them on, on a level that was absolutely, um, you know, and I had friendships that I still have to this day. Yeah, speaking of shows, actually, uh, I met you backstage at the Sergio Hudson show. I was shooting, yes, um, you did. shooting video yes, there. Yes, you did. I'm looking at your face. Like, I know you. I do. Yes. Yes. How yeah. about that? How about that? Yeah. So how was it, you know, hitting the runway? Um, you know, I'm sure you've done it numerous times, but how was it, you know, hitting it last year and just seeing the changes in the uh, in the industry as far as inclusion is involved and the number of designers that are now like making their name known? How do you yes. feel about that? I think it's really wonderful. And I was I was very honored um, to do to be asked to do the shows, first of all. And um, there was a whole lot of preparation for me to do those shows. But I didn't have a Pilates instructor and she's, oh no, we got to get your feet and your calves and, you know, and this posture, we had to build that, right? So it wasn't just like I slipped on a pair of seven inch heels and started prancing out there. Oh no, 
oh no, you would make it. And so it was just like, and then I knew that I didn't really know how to do fashion shows or walk because I came out as Beverly Johnson, you understand? I was like a celebrity. I wasn't like a runway model that, you know, not Pat Cleveland could twirl. I mean, this thing be twirling. I can't do that, okay? Naomi, no, I cannot do that walk. So I got in a coach, Miss J. Love it. Got a coach. And I'm telling you, for four hours straight, I was walking this. I mean, <laughs> he worked me to the bone. I learned so much about, you know, tilting back and do It's so very difficult. So it took me to a whole nother level. Now, I might not have accomplished that exact walk, but without that, it wouldn't have been so pretty. But the people were so receptive. They started applauding when I walked out and everything. And, and, and the last thing they said, do not look at the, you know, this is an instruction for all the girls. Do not look at the audience and no smiling. So it's hard for me. People were like, go Beverly, go mama, mama, Bev. I mean, and I was like, all I wanted to do was, but I didn't, I was professional. And, and then the other uh, designer, Bibu Mohapatra, yes. and like Cleopatra, he is so, and the clothes were so divine. And they had actually done the whole show around me and all of the models that were all black models. This was a tribute to me. Nobody's ever done that to me. I was like crying, I mean, a tribute to me. So obviously all the girls are all six foot two from all over the world. And they're communicating with me, thank, you know, thank you for so much and you broke the doors. But it was just such an honor, you know, that they thought enough about uh, Black History Month, about, uh, you know, my legacy, that they did that. Well, speaking of legacy, um, how did you maintain being relevant and controlling your legacy and your narrative throughout all of these years? So we didn't have that, you know, uh, relevant back in our day. Um, we did have like overexposure in our day, right? So it was so interesting. Just going to show you. It's so interesting. You know, I'm, you know, the, the hot model, you know, in New York, they were recognizing, oh, that's that model, in you know. And so I said, I wanted to get a PR agent. So I went to Salchus and Roskin. You know, they got the cigarette, you know, ah, come on in. Bro. I don't want to take your money. I, what are you going to talk about? You're not really, you know, models aren't really, you know, celebrities. Sure enough, I got the cover, like within months. Because I had hired them anyway, paying X amount of dollars a month. And then, you know, they had to, you know, bring me in for media training and all that. So I kind of, I foresaw what could happen. I, I made an investment into something that I didn't even know was going to reap the rewards. He said, I'm not promising you you're going to get anything, you know. And then, you know, like a month later, I got the vote cover. And so everything opened up for me. And I, I, um, I operate from uh, my heart and my gut. And I am, you know, sometimes to a fault. Uh, you know, I, I always keep an extroverted person around as a friend or a partner because they get me out, right? Because otherwise I would go out to whatever. I, I couldn't care whatever it was, I wouldn't go. 
And so which keeps me out and relevant. So I know my weaknesses in that way. But with everything, I still stay true to myself. And I'm, um, you know, always on to the next thing, the next project, you know, I want to grow here. I want to do that. And just fulfilling all the things that I think that I'm capable of. I love that you said some, you know, making an investment because that is such a key component when you're building a career. Um, it's when you're, you know, we work with a lot of startup businesses and, you know, small businesses and you have to some put something in to get something out. And I think that's a great takeaway. You didn't know what the PR company was going to give you back in return, but it, you know, reaped dividends for you. And, you know, media training is so important. Creators are, you know, front facing, building sometimes, you know, communities in the millions. And, you know, we are in a video first era and it's so important to be able to speak with authority and to be able to come on camera and to speak to so many different audience segments and to do it in an inclusive manner. And that yes. doesn't necessarily come natural to everybody. No. And so we encourage media training, you know, big time. So I love those little nuggets. Um, Not only that, nice. because because people, particularly when, you know, women, we get into working and everything and we forget about everything else, the way we look, the way we think, what we eat, what, you know, everything becomes on the back burner, but it has to be on the front burner. And if, if you can't think of it as, um, think of it as an investment in your business, because what people don't understand, I know you do, people buy into people. I could sell you anything I wanted to because people have confidence in me. It's not what I'm selling. It's me. You're the product. You need to invest in you and being the best version of yourself because that's what you're going to go out in the world. And when you're, you're presenting whatever you're presenting or whatever business you're in, that's what they see. They see you. Very true. Just to get into some of the incredible women that you've worked as a you know a female founder i just think about all the incredible women you've mentioned naomi sims and you've worked with pat cleveland and iman and tyra banks and carol all and christy brinkley and you know they're such a the the supermodels are like really like an incredible network um like the power network right i think that yes is you know if you think about influencers the supermodels you guys really are the first um, yes. you really started it i think we could give you a lot of credit there um maybe yes. where was it so social media but the influencing uh, purchase decisions influencing fashion influencing taste you were all controlling you know an incredible narrative I would love to just get into, you know, you know, pursuing unconventional careers. You talked about wanting to be a lawyer, but you know, you have really built your own empire as a model. How do you help, you know, mentor other young women who might be timid or other professionals 
to pursue their dreams because their parents can't necessarily see the big picture of going into a creative craft. I know Carson's parents are always trying to push him to medical or right. <laughs> accounting. <laughs> right, right, yes. Um, one, I want to compliment on, on uh, uh, comment on the supermodel. We were the first group that you not only knew their face, they had a name. They were printing the name in the magazine. And I think that was my little error where they were. And secondly, I wanted to say that Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista, and uh, I would go Verushka have, th have the biggest, most important body of work of any other fashion model that's ever lived. I'll just go that far. Wow. That's how, that's how historic and legendary they are. That's how they built a body of work that scanned decades and just picture after picture and show after show. It's quite, quite incredible. And I don't know if they get enough, you know, kudos for what they've actually built. The other thing I like to say is that I didn't make it on my own. I didn't. I didn't know a, a makeup brush from a, a from a, a, a brush for your hair. Basically, <laughs> I had I had the most incredible men that introduced me to everything I knew. I had uh, he, he was a, James Farabee was a hairdresser and a, and a dermatologist, and every day I had my hair and my face done every day it was avocado packs and you know <laughs> he tried everything on me and he was the one that took me to you know to the opera the first time i can't I, we had matching caftans on right he was in the caftan out we had you know tiffany jewelry he taught me all about jewelry and pearls and diamonds i, I had this this education from all these incredible men uh that you know taught me everything about you know movie stars and Greta Garbo and Marlena Dietrich and all this that I had no idea even existed. So they were my mentor. I call them my gay gurus, but they were my, <laughs> my, my mentors and that taught me everything that I know. And I've always felt from um, first meeting Naomi Sims, this is how I first meet Naomi Sims. She was huge in the business, right? She could never you know, navigate for those covers or whatever. So she did runway and she did, she was in the covers of Vogue magazine, but never in the way that she should have been. The most striking woman I've ever seen in my life. I mean, she was just like, literally I was working in the Ginny shop, that purse where I, I, I uh, came. And of course you had to, even though I had doing Vogue and Glamour, I still had to have a part-time job. She would actually, she meaning Naomi Sims, was walking down the street, I'll never forget, with a, with a violent puncho and people, she literally stopped traffic. People literally came out of the building and looking at this woman walk down the street. And I was one of those people looking at her too because my boss told me to go get some chocolate and nut hot dogs and bring them back. And I was like, OMG, anyways, I'm at the I'm at the I'm at the fashion show with Halston, my first show. You know, I'm in the corner doing my makeup. That's when you had to do your makeup. And Costum is 
Naomi? Where's Naomi? She's not here yet. Where's Naomi? Where's Naomi? Where's Naomi? She's late. Oh, the show's going to stop. Well, we'll start without her. No, we can't stop the show with her. Where, where's Naomi? And the whole thing was, Naomi, where is she? She's late. She's late. And it was like, the, oh, there's drama. And I'm in the background. And in walks Naomi Sims. And she's all in white. She stands in the middle of the room and they just start to un undress her. They're just taking her clothes. And she's all the way down to nothing. And she looks out of the corner of her eye and there I am. She runs over to me. Remember, she's naked, right? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and she bends down to me. She said, she takes my hands and I'm like, she said, I just want to say, I'm so proud of what you're doing. I just want to say that I see everything you're doing and I'm your biggest champion. Keep going, keep doing what you do. I see all of your covers, bravo to you. And I was like, thank you, thank you so much. And after that, I started asking people, what should I do when I walk out of there? <laughs> How do you do it? But she made such an impression on me. At that very moment, I said to myself, all of the little girls, all the 15 year olds that are marching up behind me right now, I am going to welcome them the same way she welcomed me. So that was a, and you know, it was because of her that I was so gracious to Naomi Campbell and Tyre. I remember that they'd be in my car. I had a car then driving around. They, they, were, they were getting my, they were just lovely. And, the Naomi and so Campbell in your car is my favorite story. You have yes, to tell this story. Yes, so yes, so Naomi good. Campbell in my car. <laughs> this is like when, you know, just pure, raw beauty. And, and um, uh, it just, uh, you know, it was just wonderful. We became very friendly with uh, Tyra's mom. And yeah, Beverly Peel. She was like nine years old. She was my height. She was nine years old. I remember we went to some amusement park or something like that. I've known these kids since they're little kids because they kept getting younger and younger and younger. And um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud because it, it, it was not all fun. You know, when I came to do runway, they were like, you got all the covers, you got all the magazines. Now you're over here on our thing too. I said, no, 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 you don't, don't understand. No, we do understand. I mean, they they changed my shoes, put pins up. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was rough. So it wasn't easy. I remember getting the Vogue cover, the day after the Vogue cover, you know, I only did shoots with white people. I, I, there was never any black people on, on the shoot. You know, girls are like, hi, I just love your Glamour magazine, that purple eyeshadow you have. You just look so pretty. Oh, your skin so pretty. Next day after that Vogue cover, you know, i never forget it. It was, it was a serious catalog shoot, and I never did a lot of, money jobs because I did so much editorial. I said, I'm gonna start taking some money jobs now. And I walk in the, in the dressing room and the three friends of mine, white models are sitting there. They don't even turn around. I go, hey, hi everybody. They don't even turn around. Don't even say, good morning, hello. And I'm thinking, and I realize it's that Vogue cover. It's that Vogue cover. So now I'm out with, you know, because in the, in the 70s, it's all black people. 70s was like, we have overcome, we thought. It was, you know, Pat Evans with the bald head, big Afro. I mean, it was just a beautiful era for black mouth. It really was. Never seen anything like it. Nobody spoke to me. Nobody. Wow. Nobody. And guess what? 
I did not get that. And then, you know, things worked on when they, I got the next cover and the next book, and the next book cover, then they started to say, okay, she, she's here to stay. So we might as well just say good morning. Good morning. <laughs> so really quickly, I just wanted to ask a follow-up question uh, regarding that because um, I've watched uh, previous interviews and you talk about um, that cover being the time when you know that you've arrived. But also you've mentioned too that um, because of the competitive nature of the fashion industry, you had to remind people that there's room for everyone. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about owning your light, owning, uh, taking up space in all of these uh, rooms and also yes. opening doors for others as well? Yes, yes, yes. You know, that's a psychology, right? It's, it's a certain psychology that you have that you think that there's not enough to go around uh, uh, you know, we live in an abundance universe, you know, um, there's enough for everybody. There's more than enough for everyone. And, and if you don't have that kind of mindset, I think you stifle yourself, right? Yes. Because you miss making a friend uh, of someone that you thought was a competitor. Naomi Sims went on to have a, a, the first um, wig line, and then she had the first makeup line, and she used me and she invited me to her dinner party. I mean, she was like just connecting me all in there. It's very important to, for me, and of course it depends on people's personality because, you know, other people have a certain, that's their thing. Uh, I, I, and I get that and I respect that too. But um, I just think that, you know, that you, there's a bridge that has to be built. And, you know, I, I stood on the shoulders of Helen Williams and, uh, 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 you know, a lot. And you know how I met Helen Williams? She was, she was doing my clothes for the Naomi Sims shoot. And she, you know, she was, she was the lady that was bringing me the clothes. And she says to me, you know, I'm the model standing in the skin, you know, you know. She says, you know, I was a model. And I go, oh, you, you, you know, when, you, you know, when you're young, you, you really don't know old people, just old people, right? I said, oh, you were? She said, yeah, I was probably the biggest mom. I said, oh, she started talking. She said, you're doing a good job. Right after that, I ran right down to the library and got the Helen Williams uh, magazine, the Ebony magazine that she was on to, to educate myself about her. So it's not only helping people up, but going back and looking whose shoulders you're standing on and, 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 and giving everybody flowers, you know? It's, it, it's just goodwill. In terms of, um, you know, part of the AIC's mission is mentorship and that I think, you know, paying it forward. I really believe the past dictates the future. And you mentioned working with Scavulio and Avedon and Irving Penn and mm -hmm. Arthur Elgert and so many other amazing photographers. You really gave me a history lesson in fashion photography when I started. And some of those names I didn't know. And then I was like, oh, I need to come correct yeah. and yeah. do my research. And I think that it's really important for young people who are in a creative space to know, you know, who set the trends because trends repeat themselves. And I would just love to know, you know, in terms of mentorship and, you know, why that's important. I, I think it's very important. And I think 
sometimes what happens is people become intimidated with super wealthy people or um, or people that are, 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 are very famous. But people, human beings naturally want to help. That's what I found. I have five mentors. They're all billionaires and they're all women. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I don't call them all the time. Like you and I, we don't talk all the time, but when we have a question and you want something, then you're going to call me. So I wait till there's really something that I, I need to know. And, and I'm going to call this person, right? Because she may even be younger than I, but she's on a whole different level than I am. So her perspective is like, she's standing on the table and I'm sitting in a chair. She sees everything to, to get the advice from her. And, 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 and I take the advice. So I think that mentorship is so very important because not only does it help you, you know, answer questions or, 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 or things that you want to know about a certain business, but they also will connect you. So, hey, you know what? I'm giving this party over here and I want you to come. You know, I, I, a lot of people say, no, I don't think I can come. I want to live. No, you, you, you got to come. No, no, this is not, a, this is not a, a request. This is like, you got to come. So, you know, it's, it's this kind of connectiveness that you need in order to propel yourself further, faster. You know, you, you know of course you're going to fall down and we, we learn the biggest lessons from failure than we do from our successes. We want to be able to propel ourselves as fast as we can and the further we can. And, and, and that's what mentorship does. That's what mentoring other people because you're never too young to mentor someone else that doesn't have as, as much experience as you have. So you wanna make sure it's going out both ways. Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah. So following up on that question, so for all of the, um, the entrepreneurs listening, what, are, what is some business advice that you can give or some business lessons that you've learned along the way? Entrepreneurship is one of the toughest choices of life you could make. So if you're faint at heart, don't even try it, okay? Just go ahead and do something else because wrote a book, The Self-Made Billionaire. And most self-made billionaires lived in corporate America and became so creative, they couldn't exist there anymore. And then they became an entrepreneur. And I understand that now because they know how corporations work, think, and what you need to do to get into them because you're gonna be taking your product to someone. So you know what they're, you, you know both sides of the coin. I am doing a workshop, but I'm not just doing a workshop by myself. It's called Bold Fortune, The Psychology of Success. Wow. I'm doing it with a gentleman by the name of Dr. Joseph McClendon III, and, uh, and also with Kamika Smith, who you know from the Boss Network, who has 250,000 women and now she's also giving out grants and she's the most extraordinary woman. I've met her 11 years ago. She's my other uh, mentee. 
and uh, she's just, you know, a, an amazing woman. So we three have joined forces, but it's not just inspirational stories. I know I'm going on a little bit long, but this is very important. It's not just inspirational stories. It's actually changing the way you think, because what we realize and what I realize is that what contributed to my success was my psychology. It's the way I think. And the way you think and Carson thinks are not really the way most people think. So it's, you know, of course it's fear of failure, fear of success, you know, procrastination and all those other things, but people really don't know how to identify their psychology and also get a new psychology. So we're, you're, you're, they're coming away with tools not just inspirational stories, tools that will change their life. Very exciting. I mean, I'm gonna be signing up for sure. <laughs> Thank you, I hope so. I'd like to have you on as a guest one time because we're gonna try to continue. Awesome. That, you gave us okay. so many yeah. words of wisdom. I feel super inspired from this conversation. I've been dying to get you on the podcast and I'm so pleased. It's been such a pleasure to have you drop some gems with me and Karsten. Yes. I just For want sure. to say one thing. I want to say one thing. I want to congratulate both you and Karsten. Yeah, you, you, you are, I'm so proud of you. Every time you send me something, I go, oh, she's doing it. You know, I'm so proud of, of how you keep yourself open to all of the possibilities. You know, this is a brand new space podcast and, you really, and you're, you're in it and it's powerful. Reach out to everyone and anyone. They're not too big. There's, the sky is the limit. Reach out to that person. Reach out to that billionaire. I bet you they'll do your podcast. <laughs> We, we, we constantly going after everybody because I just, I feel knowledge has to be shared. We all have so much to learn from everyone. You might, creators might not be thinking about being a supermodel, but you've been able to do something that's unthinkable, you know, and I think that's what we want to impart on people is that no matter what the industry is, we all have something to learn from each other. All right, Beverly B, as we sign off, how can our listeners find you on social media? Where are you at? I am Beverly Johnson, Instagram, and uh, Beverly Johnson on Facebook. Amazing. That's it. And, you, and Twitter. You, aren't you still on Twitter? Yeah, I'm still on Twitter. Beverly Johnson 1. I'm still on Twitter. Awesome. I'm still on Twitter. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Amazing. Beverly. Thank you it's so much, Beverly. It's been a pleasure, and I will talk to you Thank soon. Thank you. Creators with Influence is produced by the American Influencer Council, the sole 501c6 not-for-profit trade association in the U.S. created by and for career creators.